0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good. Hello, Monson. It's amazing to be here. It has been too long with um, us moving to a double service. And, where are you going now? What? You said, Yeah. Just because you and your wife are fighting this morning. Don't go and have do uh, dance exams. Yeah, we know that. But uh, this is church. <laughs> it's re- got to be real here, but it's okay. Yeah. No, maybe Henry and Jeannie can sit with you afterwards. And um, they <laughs> it is so good to be here. And um, we... Uh, have did the, the double service at table view, which has meant it's been quite difficult to get across and make things happen, and we've needed a plow in that season. But it is so good to be here, so proud of this amazing community. This place looks amazing, and I know many, many hands and many have gone into making this a home. And uh, we're really excited for what God has done, what He's going to do in this place. I'll tell you what, why don't you reach out your hands to the empty seats, even now. The very first church service I ever went to at the church That I got saved into, I remember them doing this and I thought they were nuts. But we're in a time of year where people are searching for answers and they're asking big questions and they might just be open to come sit in that chair. So why don't you close your eyes and let's pray together and say, God, right now, fill these chairs with the broken, the lost, the bruised, those searching for you, God. Fill them, God. Call them out I pray, use men and women here to invite to love where we're and, and sometimes just bring them. Bring the neighbors across the street, God, I pray. Bring the broken, the lonely, the destitute, those have been abandoned, bring them God. Let them encounter your love, your grace and your glory. Let them sit in your presence and be changed forever. Do it, I pray, God, not to grow a church. But to see your kingdom advance, to see transformation come to the broken and the lost, to see your life and your love revealed to a city at this time. Do it, we pray. Mighty King. Amen. Amen. So it is Christmas time. I t- I'll tell you now, your pastor, Pastor Gabe, as I call him, Pastor Gabe, we walk past each other and greet him. How are you, Pastor Gabe? No, I don't do that. But he's a Christmas man. He loves Christmas. He gets very excited at Christmas. Um, And and if things don't go well at Christmas, he gets very upset as well. It happens. It's like a knife edge. you But he loves Christmas, and he's excited. And and we get to preach at these times. It's the home stretch. Everyone's on the run, going for it. Jingle Bells is playing. Most people have survived Black Friday. It was quite a while ago now, so most people have recovered, and they've returned everything. (laughs) So it's amazing. I need 55,000 discovery points by the end of the month. You will see a miracle. I declare it. It will happen. It will happen. But um, this is Christmas, and we've chosen a series called God is Here, not just because it seemed cool, but because the story of Christmas comes with the f of 400 years of silence. And as we navigate this stuff, Christmas is when God broke the silence. Christmas is when everything changed. The potential of the broken, the lost, and those isolated in the middle of no nothing had no hope got a story to encounter and Jesus breaks in, and the Father breaks in, and the potential of every situation changes. Every situation. And God enters through the narrowness of a womb. He leaves the perfection of heaven to come to our world and to our mess, to dip his life into our story so that we could be raised up in him. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's every reason for us to celebrate. And uh, we break in here, but have you ever felt like God's been quiet? And I know Gabe would have covered some of this last week, but I want to remind us why it's so important. Because for 400 years, God had been quiet before the Christmas story begins with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And remember, that's off the back of generations of God speaking to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were dudes God spoke to. God spoke to Abraham and said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Who would love to hear God right now? It's just, there's stuff in your life. You're just like, God, speak. Speak now, please, like you did to Abraham, like you did to Isaac, like, speak. I, I, I would. I don't think I have the audible voice. I've heard God, and I know he's spoken, and I've heard his voice, but but I want the days of that. And the, then God began to speak to their relatives, and they would begin to proclaim, and prophets and priests and different leaders would speak to God's people. But the God's people stopped listening, and they stopped listening. So God said, what I'm going to do, I'm not doing this to spite you, but I want to teach you. I want to show you what it is, and, and 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 over 400 years, God didn't speak, but there remained this remnant of people who worshiped, this remnant of people who kept pursuing, this remnant of people who kept saying, our God is faithful, our God is true, our God is who He says He is, and we'll stand on those promises and hold. It's an amazing, amazing thing, and this series is about what changes, and changed forever because God came to earth and God spoke. I love that Zechariah and Elizabeth story. I love Psalm 16, the promise that God makes my lot secure. I never understood that. I read that two months ago, and all of a sudden it became a reality. To me. I said, God, this is, not, this is not surety of salvation. This is not uh, am I Calvinist or not. This is about what your word says, and your word says you make my lot secure. And I choose to believe your word. And so today we're speaking into the life of a man named Joseph. And, I, and we're going to paint a picture out of this man's life of Joseph where actually his world was spun into confusion about how he rose up in courage. But before I do that, I want to tell you a little testimony of someone in our church. And they aren't here to tell you their testimony because it is the morning after their wedding. So I thought it would be awkward to ask them to come and tell their testimony. Just thought. But uh, maybe some of you have met a guy named Edwin and an amazing lady named Salome. Anyone met Edwin? He preached at Milton a while ago, quite a while ago. But about five years ago when I landed in Cape Town, I heard of this man, Edwin, who was in the Cape Town because he knew friends of mine in Pretoria, and he was leading a church in the city. And he planted, and he was a young man with passion and zeal and dreams. Planted a church, put everything else aside. He moved away from a denomination he'd studied in for seven years because he could not agree with some of the theology to plant a church to see people fed free, full of courage, full of passion full of desires, and I, I encouraged, and we became friends, we began to walk, but about two years into that journey, three years ago, it all came crashing down, and um, through a set of circumstances and challenges in what seemed like no time at all. The church was done, the doors were closed, there was no more meeting, Edwin was not leading any more church. And so one big dream got shattered, and one big thing was like, what's going on here, God? You'd spoken. I've studied for all these years. I've sown for all these years. I've been faithful for all these years. I've plowed my life out. I've preached a gospel for all these years. And all of a sudden, at 31 years old, it's all gone. And then to make matters even worse, the girl he loved, um, it ended. I don't want to give too much details, but It ended. And and I know that he loved her. I know that he had plans and dreams and desires. And I, one day, a, a man sat in front of me, a big man, with biceps for days, weeping because dreams were shattered. Because he loved the bride of Christ. He wanted to preach the gospel. He planted a church and was gone. He loved another lady that he thought might be his bride. And through circumstance, situation was gone. And said, could he come and worship in a community called Life Changers? And he would drive from city to Tableview just to sit and be in that community with the promise of nothing. There was no promise. There was no, there was just confusion in his world. Working part-time jobs to survive. And then over time and, and through chatting with the leaders, we felt to create a space for that man to be safe for a while. And so we gave him a salary and we put him onto staff and, and no one really knew what Edwin was doing on staff, but he, loved people. He read the Word a lot. He spent time in God's presence a lot. And God began to restore and rebuild. And yesterday, see, and, and about 18 months ago, I had a very tough conversation with Edwin. I'm telling you this because this is life. This is real. And I said to Ed, I think there's some lessons you can't learn in the church. And I need you to consider, after seven years of biblical studies, only ever pastoring a church God's going to make a way for you to go into the marketplace. And and every insecurity flares up. You can imagine. I said, I feel like God's got a story for you, but we're going to pray about it. And you know what happened? I sat in a meeting with our church accountant, Sharon Hickman. I said, Sharon, you must know someone. And last night I sat next to a man who, 18 months ago, I phoned and said, I've got a guy I think you should employ. Understand, this guy that I phoned was... Someone who'd burnt out from church. (laughs) He wasn't keen on church. And now I'm trying to send him a pastor who's never worked in the marketplace. He didn't bite. And that CV sat in that desk for three months until he phoned one day and met Edwin and offered him a job. And a year ago, my mate Edwin was living in the fundervest spare room in their house. He's driving a very old motor car. He had a desire and a dream to own his own home, to have a wife, and to see the purposes of God fulfilled in his life. Fast forward one year. One year. We've bought a house together. He's got a job and a career that he loves, in an industry that he loves, in a boss who is encountering God again because Edwin is there. And God has blessed him with a wife that is spectacular. And I tell you that story because... God wants to do it again and again. We tell Tasmis because Tasmis are the spirit of God. Do it again. Do do it again. And we do a series like God is here because God is here. And even when Edwin was at the bottom of the pit and then I come with another curveball saying, I feel God is calling you out of the space into an unknown world. God was there with him. But I want to tell you a bit more about this man. Because if you know him and you love him, he's got some eccentricities. He's an eccentric man. And the staff would come to me because of Edwin's eccentricity sometimes and, and say, what is Edwin doing here? <laughs> but the one thing I'll tell you about that man every morning, he, he loves gym. Biceps didn't just come. He's not naturally that. <laughs> but before he can go to gym at 6 in the morning, he'll go into the Word every day. And yesterday on the day of his wedding, I walked to his room early, early, And he's sitting in the hot tub that was provided, reading his Bible. And God has blessed a man with a wife, with opportunity, with possibility, in a future, who literally a year ago had none of those things, was in borrowed rooms, and just confusion reigning. God, am I called to preach the word of God? God, am I called to be on the marketplace? God, will you provide a wife? God, will you? And I'm telling you, it's a story we've got to look to and say, God, do it again. And into confusion, God brought courage. Into confusion, God brought clarity. Into confusion, God reminds him that your lot is secure. And it's a, yeah, it was just a great privilege for me to be a part of that moment yesterday. Because God is faithful. I want to tell you this morning, I, I don't know what stories and winds have blown. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He won't be mocked. He won't be mocked. Mishy standing and leading worship and working all week sowing in so that we can have a carols service tonight and questions and dreams because you're a dreamer God won't be mocked He won't be mocked He has every dream that you've ever prayed stored up he won't be mocked He will provide, He is faithful Can we just pray for a second? I don't know I feel like God You're reminding us of the promise again You're speaking the life. I I pray liberty over people in this place to even ask for big things again. Not just the basics, not just the survival asks, Lord, can I have my daily bread? But actually coming to a father and saying, God, I've got dreams. I I would love a wife. I would love a house. I would love a job. I'd love a career. Those were Edwin's prayers, but maybe there are other prayers here. And the enemy would say, you don't deserve it, so we stop asking. And I want to... Say, Spirit of God, call out the sons and daughters in this place to ask big prayers again, to speak again, to trust your word again, to look at the extravagance of the gift of Christ in our lives and be reminded that we worship a glorious Father who pours out His grace and His goodness. Thank you for the story of Edwin and Salome Fandenefa. Do it again, God. Do it again. Mighty King. Amen. Amen. I want to read from Matthew chapter 1. It's about this guy named Joseph. It's about a lady named Mary and about a mighty king named Jesus. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which this means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. In the midst of the beautiful story of the birth of Jesus, there's this reality, and we find an ordinary man named Joseph. The gospel is all about what God does with ordinary people. I am a very ordinary man. I would love to tell you that things are exceptional at every level, but they're not. But God takes ordinary always and pulls them into his stories and pulls them into a much bigger story. And when I look at Joseph, the first thing I notice is he's just an ordinary dude. There's nothing exceptional about this guy. And he's pulled into a big gospel story. And the Christmas story is that. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians. How's this? Take a, a good look, friends at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see Mary, many of the brightest and the best among you. How's that? for imagine I, just, I don't see any of the brightest and the best among you. I mean, that's leadership encouragement 101. Not many influential, sorry. Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. <laughs> I love the Bible, and I know that's the message, and it was it's a translation of that, but but its I think it's a great interpretation of that scripture and reveals and reminds us that Joseph's this ordinary God a guy who chose to believe an extraordinary God, even in the midst of a crisis, because number one, this is a crisis. He's, he's marrying a girl. He's got it all lined up. He's working on his carpentry skills. He's going to be the next guy selling furniture all over the area. He's got it all mapped out, worked out, planned out. It's going to work this way. They, he, he's going to, they're going to book the wedding day, and then they're going to get married, and then they're going to have babies, and the baby's going to be glorious, and they're going to be perfect, and then they're going to travel the world. I don't know what his dreams were, but they weren't this. And into his dreams, God speaks something different. God says, actually, what are we going to do here? Because he finds out, and it's it's a challenge, it starts this way. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to her, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So first point, feelings fail us, obey God. Point number one, feelings fail us all the time. If I said a whole bunch of words to you, like economics, politics, ESCUM, load shedding, bonus... No bonus, costs, future, fear, South Africa. Are there some feelings in the room? There's feelings. I'm sitting with parents who are talking about futures for their kids. There's feelings. I'm sitting with people that are talking about financial realities and how they got an increase this year, but it feels very much like they got a decrease. There's some feelings attached to that stuff. Well, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He's got his life mapped out. And all of a sudden, his bride to be is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I've heard that one before. It's like, let's be honest, every fear rises up because no man's really going to believe him. And and he looks ahead, the years ahead, and and he sees him walking with Mary, and there's Jesus, little baby Jesus, five years old, walking, and all the people in the neighbourhood go, hmm, hmm, his hair's a bit different to yours, Joseph. Blue eyes. Let's be honest. Every fear, every anxiety, every every turmoil breaks into his story, and every feeling starts lying to him, get out of here. And he feels completely justified. He starts considering his options. It's the exact word the Bible uses. He starts considering his options. And he's got some good options. He says, I'm a good moral guy. I'm going to try to look after this girl. What I'm going to do, I'm going to divorce her quietly. It's the right thing to do. And in those days, it probably was the right thing to do. And he was fully, in every right, in every way, able to do that. Because he had never been with you, he had never consummated the marriage. And legally, he could easily step away in divorce. Easily. And it's amazing, because the Bible says in that spot, I love it, it, let me get there, it says, but after he had considered this. So all those feelings that you've got right now, The Bible gives you license to consider them. Don't feel bad about your feelings. Don't feel bad about what you feel and when you see stuff and and there's injustice and there's challenge and there's trouble. Don't feel bad about that. But what happens next? It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, God speaks. God begins to reveal a different future. And as we navigate these times, and navigate emotions, and navigate feelings, there's got to be a place where our considering, and our fears, and, and all these things that pull us in different ways, and, and all our confusion gets pulled into a different story called, who is God? And Edwin gets up at his wedding, and starts speaking about the moments God spoke, and the why he held on to the promises of what God had spoken. I'm going, yes, God, you are faithful. And Gabe would have told you that story last week about Zachary, who's just been adopted into the Barthas family, and Zachary's name means God has remembered, Yahweh has remembered. See, our our challenge, the reason Jesus tells his disciples, and I know some of you heard this before, but he tells his disciples, "This is how you pray: Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name." And I've preached this many times, but I'm going to tell you again: "Hallowed be your name" doesn't mean God, you are glorious. I used to think it was like this, shout out to God. You the man. Until I read where Moses was instructed to, to 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 reach out his staff over the rock. But he gets angry and he strikes the rock twice. And God comes to him and says, you won't enter the promised land because you didn't hallow my name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, means this. Our Father who art in heaven, I trust you. I trust you. It's a default setting that Jesus is every morning wake up. Before you ask for your daily bread, before you ask for for those who have forgiven you and for you to be able to forgive, before you ask for anything else, just make the statement to your soul, our Father who art in heaven because I art on earth, I trust you. Why? Because it's the biggest battle we fight in our lives. Do I really trust God? Not just for eternity one day. That's almost easier. Millions, millions and millions and millions can trust him for eternity one day. But can I trust him today? For today, in today, regardless of circumstance and regardless of wins and child, regardless of diagnoses, regardless of treatments that aren't working, regardless of money in the bank, regardless of what payments need to be made next week, regardless of all of that, our Father who art in heaven, I trust you. And Joseph goes on a journey of confusion. He goes on a journey of considering and he lands up in courage. And after he considers, and after he thinks of all the amazing things he does, he chooses to obey the Word of God spoken to him at that time. See, but at that time, the, he didn't have the Holy Spirit speaking. He didn't, wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, so he needed God to speak. This time, we have the Spirit of God speaking, and we have the promises of God, and we have the instructions of God in our life, in our hands. We have an escapee. <laughs> God has spoken. I don't need to have an angel come and speak to me to know the basics of what to do. How to walk, how to treat people, how to love people, how to serve people, how to honor people, how to be generous with people. I don't need God to speak because God has already spoken. And the Spirit of God brings life into that, brings revelation so I can live that life. See, what people also don't know, I'm boasting about my mate Edwin. What people don't know is how generous that man is in the middle of having nothing. And Tyler and Kate get married and Edwin gives them a table worth thousands. And in Rion and Maria von there's another table sitting with thousands. As he would make these tables to try earn money, but then he would end up just giving them away. And I'm going, Edwin, you need to make a buck. He says, but God is a generous God. And you know what he gets up? He gets him and says, he's sitting on a beach one day with Sebastian van der who's 12 years old, 11 years old. And Edwin's talking, said, I I believe God's going to give me a house one day. I'm going to own a house. Meanwhile, he's living in that house. He's going, I believe God's going to give me a house one day. And he tells a story how about Sebastian pulled a 10 rand note out of his pocket and said, Edwin, you're going to buy a house one day. Here's the first 10 rand. And last night, he says, I've still got that 10 rand note in my wallet. God spoke through an 11-year-old boy, the promises he'd always spoken, that God would provide. God would provide. God will provide. And there's a difference. There's a there's a learning to act where our feelings lead us to fear, or where our feelings lead us to faith. It's a different life, It's and it stems on this thing, our Father who art in heaven, I trust you, faith. But if that principle and not principle but that revelation and that understanding and that bigness of god dynamic is not in our lives bigger than circumstance bigger than re- I, I, I don't know if you got it bigger than going on your bank and seeing that the the repo rate has gone up <gasps> no god's not surprised He's not surprised that I live in Africa, I live in South Africa, I live in Cape Town. I have three kids and I worship him. He's not surprised by that. Oh, I forgot the Funplatzens in Cape Town. How could I let the economic reality go that? Ah, oh, I forgot. And Jess and Alex are, are, are getting married. I forgot about them. How could I? No, he hasn't. Your lots are secure in the palm and the grasp and the strong grip of the Father who you can trust and it changes the way we respond where everything wants to respond out of fear and wants to run. I am not part of this Mary story. No, actually I respond in fear and I'm pulled into a God story and we know Joseph's name. We know his name. You know what we don't know about the rich young ruler who couldn't say yes to Jesus? We don't know his name. We just know a description of him. But we can know Joseph's name. And every nativity scene around the world, there's a dude supposedly looks like Joseph. It's amazing. Why? Because in that moment, he chose to respond in faith. And Christmas is a time where God breaks in and we're reminded God has called us to faith stories. He's called you to faith stories. He's called you to faith and generosity stories. He's called you to faith stories to trust him when it doesn't make sense. He called you to faith stories where man will judge you. Men will judge you. Men will make judgments around that stuff. And beloved, I bumped into a friend of mine who I used to work with years ago the other day. And he says, Yes, I haven't heard of you in years, but where are you? I said, Well, actually, I don't do that anymore. He says, Well, what do you do? I'm a pastor. No, dropped an expletive way. <laughs> There's no way. He says, but you have to be like, like a holy and stuff to do that. I <laughs> said, what are you saying, dude? He says, no, but you you can't be a pastor. He says, well, actually, I'm counted God. I love God, and, and I'm going to be with him for eternity anyway. I'd rather listen to him now and learn that journey now. And when things change, I'm reminded this, my lot is secure. That scripture has become so real to me in the last two months. So, so real to me. I've read it a thousand times. I've heard Christians quote it probably thousands of times. But it's never gone. I can That holds me. That, that holds me. What holds you? It'll only be told afterwards. The story could have been very different. God didn't need Joseph. But Joseph chose to be a part of a God story. And we get pulled into something, he got pulled into something spectacular. And then this amazing promise that we land in that God is with us. God is here is a promise. God is here is a reality. It's not just a promise that oh, if we keep singing louder, and maybe if Mishi just hits that high note, God will be here. Joseph's courage, verse 25, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Who? Joseph names Jesus. He names the son of God as his earthly father on this earth. Why? Because he didn't worry about the fear of man and what people would say. Why? Because he didn't care that it wasn't his natural son and he hadn't consummated the marriage. Why? Because he knew that his moral right was to leave her, but he chose to respond in faith. He gets to name Jesus. You want to think about a privilege? I have named each of my children with my wife. What a privilege. That will forever be their name. My brother-in-law, his father left at birth, and another man stepped into his mother's life when he was two, and that man walked with him his whole life. His surname was Hackenrath. My brother-in-law's surname was his original father's surname, named Fundament. He's German, if you didn't get it. And his whole life, he had the surname Fundament. And the first day that my sister and him had their baby was born, this man, Hackenrath, arrived at the hospital and looked at the little baby thing, you know, that they do through those windows. And on that name was Daniel Hackenroth. Because my brother in law had gone and changed the whole family surname to take this man's name because that was his father. And he chose his name. And this guy, Joseph, just a fearful dude, young in years, gets pulled into a God story and gets to name the King of Kings. Spectacular. I, I think it's astounding. He becomes the protector of Jesus. When, when the wise men give them a warning, he takes Jesus and runs with him. Whenever Jesus was at young age, he would fight for him and he would look. He becomes this courageous man, but I don't think he started there. He went on a journey of becoming courageous. He went from a confused young man, not trying to work out how his betrothed wife had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Let's be honest, that's confusing to a courageous man preparing to trust God and to walk a journey of trusting God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what men would think, regardless of the whispers and the rumors on the streets. He chose to trust God. To be brutally honest, this has been a frustrating year for me. My wife hasn't been well. At the start of the year, we preached a series, Move the Mountains. My prayer was God to heal my wife, to be brutally honest. That was a mountain for us. But you know what God has allowed? He's allowed us to keep navigating mountain ranges with him. He's allowed us moments of intimacy in his presence. He's allowed us to understand what pain is. Because I sit with people, and I have as a young pastor used to sit with people, and they'd tell me of their pain, and I would go like this. But I didn't really know. It was like when I arrived in Cape Town and I'd arrive at work with my five-week-old baby at home and tell Gabe, well, we didn't really sleep last night. And Gabe would go, oh, sorry, until now on Tuesday mornings when I get there early and Mr. Phillips' eyes are bloodshot and I go, oh, Livia didn't sleep last night. (laughs) But you're trusting for a miracle and it's exciting and fruitful, faithful place to be. Trusting for a miracle, to keep God, us there. And to watch my wife, who's not a frontline fighter, she's not a ninja. I wouldn't put her there, but fighting, trusting the promises moving forward. See, it's okay to consider. There was a day my wife considered. She she read the scripture of, maybe you haven't met Candice. This is my amazing wife, Candice. But she read the scripture of Paul in the thorn in her side. And, and I came home, and she said to me, Mark, What if this is the thorn in my side? Now, I believe in healing. I've seen God heal, and I will always believe in healing and keep praying for God. But I can't say it's not. I can't say definitively it's not, unless God has spoken, but I can't say it has. So what if it is? Well, I consider it. But then God speaks, and he reminds me that he is a healer. And he reminds me that he is a sustainer. And he reminds me that he is good and he is faithful and he is true. And whether the sun is shining or it's not shining, whether the waves are mounting upon us and seem overwhelming or it's not, he is still God. And I will spend eternity with him and this side, that side of eternity or this side of eternity. He is still king. He is ruler and he is Lord and he is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of my trust before anything else. Healing, finances, whatever it is. The gospel calls us into a story of believing God, trusting God. This guy, Joseph, we know his name because he responded in courage. What is the courage call in your life right now? Maybe it's just you come to church week after week, and I don't know because I'm not sure all the time, but but people don't know what's going on in your world. And God's saying, I want you to tell people what's going on in your world so you can walk in community, and that would take courage for you because you've been hurt, disappointed, let down. Maybe the courage call is is at a time, it's 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 not it's it's to say no to a whole bunch of urges and desires that are running. Say, spend money and become the Christmas turkey. And God's word to you is don't be the Christmas turkey. But rather invest in eternity, invest in a people, invite people into your home and take money that you were gonna just spoil yourself, but bring them into your home and spoil them and bless them and be generous and kind. Maybe it's just 10 rand you take out of your pocket on a beach to, make, to show someone that God is faithful and you don't fully understand the implications. I want to read to you, and I've, I've loved the psalm the last week, so I did read it last week, and I want to read it again. It's Psalm 138. It's a promise. It's a psalm of David at a tough time, a, a tough, tough time in his life. And if, if you're a cool pastor these days, you have to read the Passion Translation, apparently, I was told but I read it in this one and it came alive to me, so I'm going to read it. It's beautiful. And maybe just, can you close your eyes, if that's all right? Psalm 138 by King David. I thank you, Lord, and with all the passion in my heart, I worship you in the presence of angels. Heaven's mighty ones will hear my voice as I sing my loving praise to you. I bow down, Before your divine presence, and bring you my deepest worship as I experience your tender love and your living truth. For the promises of your word and the fame of your name have been magnified above all else. At the very moment I called out to you, you answered me. You strengthened me deep within my soul and breathed fresh courage into me. One day, all the kings of the earth will rise to give you thanks. When they hear the living words that I have heard you speak, they too will sing of your wonderful ways. For your ineffable glory is great. For though you are lofty and exalted, you stoop to embrace the lowly. Yet you keep your distance from those filled with pride. By your mighty power, I can walk through any devastation. And you will keep me alive, reviving me. Your power set me free from the hatred of my enemies. You keep every promise you've ever made to me. Since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing. David is honest enough to say God gave him courage. Maybe you need courage. Christmas is about a time God came and took the confused of our world and put courage inside of them to count for a much bigger story. Right now, receive courage. You say, God, you need courage? I need courage. God, I need courage. Come, God. What good work has God begun in you? What work did he begin 50 years ago? 40 years ago, last week. What good work. See, he's committed to finishing that good work. He's committed. He's not silent anymore. You aren't separate. You are with him. Mr. Veyers, what good work did God start in you and what will he complete? Good work. Mighty man. Knows the spirit of God. Has the word of God inside of him. What good work will God complete? And I'm telling you, it starts here. Joseph considered, and then he listened to the voice of God and the promise of God, and he chose that over his considerations. Faith is not about throwing your mind away. Faith is about considering and still choosing to follow God. Faith is about seeing the storms and still choosing to set sail when God says, Come put out to sea faith opens up the possibilities of heaven faith brings us into a God story that changes everything faith takes a man who a year ago had no hope had no wife had no home and a year later the glory of god is revealed faith does that courage does that god does that he wants to do it again Thank you that you are here, even now, God. Spirit of God, you are here. You're revealing the glory and the wonder of our King. I pray this morning, as Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that they would have an ever-increasing knowledge of the Father. I pray for every person today, an ever-increasing revelation and knowledge of our glorious Father in heaven who is faithful and true who is mightier than any storm who is greater than any coming devastation who has made my lot secure and he has given me a portion and a cup whose will sustains me and at times even though it doesn't seem good, perfect and pleasing to me it is completely good, perfect and pleasing for me Because I am on earth and you are in heaven. Because I am created and you are creator. Because I am son and you are father. I pray, God, secure your people today. Where there's confusion, secure. Where there are questions that are causing chaos. I pray, secure your people today. Whether it's health, whether it's future, whether it's anxieties, whether it's depression, whether it is fear, whether it is the voice of man too loud in our ears. I pray, God, secure us in your love and your grace today. Because the promise of Christmas is God is here. God came. For unto us a child was born, a son was given. Mighty counselor, wonderful prince of peace. The government will be on his shoulders. The government of my life is not in the hands of man. The government of my life is on his shoulders. So we praise you, God. We give you glory and honor. And we look forward to the testimonies and the miracles from actually just ordinary people who worship an extraordinary God today. We worship You, king. Worship You, God.